is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. CJ, the painkiller. Kevin, Kevin Jackson. Jackson. So we need to start acting like a big boy football. It's time for the jet tax to die. You're listening to Weapons Hot on Sports War Radio and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Darnold fires one into the end zone. It is caught. That's a jet touchdown. And now here is your host, CJ, the painkiller. And Kevin Jackson. What's going on, Jets Nation? Welcome to another edition of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast. I am your host, CJ the Painkiller D. Simone, here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network and also Sports War Radio as well. And it gives me great pleasure to introduce my co-host, my right seater, and one of my very best friends, ladies and gentlemen. Please put your hands together for Mr. Kevin. Jackson! Give it up for Jax, ladies and gentlemen. Jax, how you doing tonight? (laughs) I see you with that big old grin over there. I cannot be mad. Uh, Once again, another episode of Weapon Side, obviously, uh, yeah, you can't you cannot be mad at that. This is this is a good thing. Um, you know what, CJ? You know, I'm 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 glad we had an opportunity to get on tonight. It, there's been a lot of news. Um, I guess maybe for this time of year, you know. But uh, we got some things to discuss. So, uh, you know, I, I'm glad we're we're moving on from the topic uh, that most really dominated everything, but. Hey, let's get on to the new stuff, man. This is this is what's going to affect us going forward. I'm much more interested in that. Let's let, let's discuss it. Let's get into it. Whatever you're ready, let's start them up. You bet. I mean, you know, obviously today there's been uh, a lot of talk about what is going on. I mean, there's obviously been some serious cuts. One of the biggest stories that seems to be leading everything, of course, um, is the the fact that Quincy Inunua was cut earlier today by the New York Jets. Also, Brian Winters was cut actually prior to Quincy Inunua being cut. Also, Ben Braden was cut. Trenton Cannon was also uh, was cut today. Uh, saw some mixed reactions on social media in regards to that. And re- really quick before we go into it, I, I I just wanted to get your thoughts. Like the one that really stuck out to me was Quincy Inunua because he was pretty much the last of the uh, Idzik 12, so to speak, that really was the only one who really made anything of himself, to be honest with you. And, you know, unfortunately for me, uh, I was a big Quincy Inunua fan. I still am. Uh, I know that, you know, his neck injuries, which ended up being repeated, you know, last year's neck injury, I felt like was a cheap, dirty shot by uh, uh, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, One of the guys in the Buffalo Bills secondary, which essentially pretty much ended uh, Quincy's uh, season last year. But also another thing, too, is him also being diagnosed with spinal stenosis, which, 
you know, it is a very serious condition. It's nothing really to play around with, and it does end careers. And however, however that Quincy Inunua was really going to try his best to come out there and to play, and he was determined to make this uh, this final roster. Sometimes, in a way, I think that this might have been the best thing for the Jets and also for Quincy, so that way he could he can move forward in his life after football, unless he's going to try to catch on with a team, you know, someplace else. So I I wanted to get your thoughts on that because I mean, there's there's been a lot that's happened over the past couple of days, and we're we're just talking about these cuts that happened today. We haven't even scratched the surface of what's been happening this weekend. So, uh, please, your thoughts. Share them with me because I want to know. Yeah, well, CJ, this is difficult for me because this is, uh, you know, we're talking about one of the emotional, uh, you know, favorites uh, for the team in Quincy. You know what I mean? Um, when, we, when, we, when we drafted him, you know, we didn't actually know what it is that we were going to get. Kid out of Nebraska, you know, late round pick. Um, you know, with, with some really, you know, remarkable physical traits, but, uh, you know, not necessarily did we know that he had the, the type of pedigree that we saw him, you know, see uh, in, in those spots when we, when he was healthy. Um, I, I love Quincy Enuma, man. I, I, I was always so excited about if he was going to be healthy for us. And if, and, and, and you can go back, I mean, you can follow my tweets and any conversations that you've ever heard me have about Quincy and I'll just tell you flat out, it's always been, man, if Quincy is healthy, this dude is a beast. We need to get him involved. I mean, mm-hmm. I, 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 even Absolutely. Went so far, I went so far as to say that, uh, you know, it, it might be a great fantasy pickup. You never know, because I thought that uh, you know, he was going to eat with, with Sam. Um, and then, you know, uh, again, the injury. So Quincy's uh, career was, was difficult. Drafted 2014. Um, you know, waved him and then brought him back and then, you know, uh, brought him brought him back on the practice squad and then activated him from the practice squad. And then uh, he ends up getting suspended the following season for uh, the, the conduct policy, that, that little issue, um, I guess, that was happening prior to that. Um, and then, you know, he comes back and he plays well. And then, you know, 2017, he goes out on the IR, you know, and, and then that just in, in, in the rest of the thing that's funny because then he gets in contact with us, you know what I'm saying? 2017, um, you know, uh, we bring him back in 2018. Excuse me, we we re-sign him, um, and then you know, the, the end of that year, uh, uh, December, I think when he goes, he goes back on IR. So, um, then he goes back on IR again in 2019. This is difficult, man. I love Quincy and what the highlight footage that you can see. Um, one of one of my the, one of my most memorable, just because I, I thought it was uh, impactful for where we were as a team with that. Uh, that game, Geno Smith came back and he caught that touchdown from Geno and, and, and you know, five yards right. took it to the house. And that's, that's exactly what I, what I kept thinking. Like, this is what's possible, you know, if this guy is healthy. And then, you know, both him and Geno are out, the, you know, a, a little bit after that. So um, Quincy's, a, it's a sad day. Um, I don't want to get too deep into, into Brian Winters and all that because I know we'll touch on that. But Quincy in particular, man, that one kind of tugs at my heart a little bit because I really wanted to see the guy ball. I thought he was really good when he had the opportunity, I think, you know, there's some 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 questions about, uh, you know, what really was his role here. Um, but I think he did so much for us, you know, in just a little time. It's kind of hard to define. But I like Quincy, man. I'm I'm sorry to see Quincy go. But I said earlier in the year, I didn't think we were ever going to see him play again. I stand behind that. I'm not surprised. Uh, but I am. I, it is unfortunate, and and, and uh, I feel a certain way about that. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, 
just um watching um watching Quincy Inunua, probably one of my favorite memories of Quincy Inunua. Honestly, for me, has to be you know you brought up Geno Smith. I remember that little eight yard slant that he that he that he caught, and ended up turning it into a sixty nine yard touchdown run. And I remember toward the end of the run when he was getting into the end zone, he had about three guys on his back. And I remember him just dropping the ball and spinning it and then just doing like that, like just just screaming. Like that was one of my biggest things that I loved about Quincy Inunua. We watched him do that last year in the preseason. There was one particular game. I can't remember if it was against the Giants or, or not, but there was one particular game where Sam just threw like a little out to him. And he turned what probably would have only been for any other receiver, maybe a five-yard gain into almost a 17-yard game as he was dragging people with him. And I remember Adam Gase making a comment um, saying, you know, hey, um, you know, we, uh, we, we appreciate the effort that he's putting in and we love the effort and we love that passion and we love that fire, but we need him for the regular season. And then all of a sudden yeah. the Buffalo game happens. And then he yeah. gets that cheap shot in the first quarter and pretty much essentially ends his season. So, uh, I mean, I was really hoping that... Um, I was personally hoping that Quincy Inunua was going to have a, a huge bounce-back year. Plus, on top of it, having Denzel Mims, having a Lawrence Cager in that room, being able to mentor these young kids and being able to, to, to personify what it means to play for the New York Jets, having that pride and going out there and giving 110%. And, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's just absolutely amazing to me. And I really wanted to see that. I wanted to see more of that because I really thought that him and Sam Darnold had a potential to really have a, a tremendous connection between the two of them. So, you know, again, before I start getting all, emotional and mushy and 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 all of that because this was this was sad for me we also got to talk about somebody else who was cut in brian winters now this was somebody who you and i throughout previous podcasts we had talked about the possibility maybe even the probability of brian winters essentially being a cap casualty to save that money but it almost looked like as if they were hanging on to him for the uh for the offensive line depth so I I wanted to get your opinion on that and just just good move cutting Brian Winters which there's also another added thing that that I will throw on to the Brian Winters pile just because <laughs> no but God give me your thoughts there Jax yeah Brian Winters is a is a is a curious move. Um, because did they do it because they just felt like he wasn't physically going to be able to handle playing or was this a, a money move? I mean, what, what, what was the necessity there? So um, I have some questions about that. I mean, it's not something that's surprising. I personally don't think we want to spend $7 million on a guy that we know is going to be a backup guard because um, we know he's going to be a backup. Um, plus we've got the young guys coming in. I mean, Cameron Clark and, uh, you know, even though we released uh, Ben Braden today, uh, I, I still think we have some younger guys. Uh, that are going to need to have those reps. Are going to need to have the opportunity to get in, and I don't think uh, maybe Brian Winters just didn't didn't fit into the plans. 
Uh, now he's probably going to go to Buffalo and ball. What's you the think? expectation there? You know, that, that, I, look, Buffalo has a way of turning these retread guys into solid pieces. Um, and that's really what it is that we're trying to do here. I mean, we've got guys that, you know, they've been decent other places. Um, and we're trying to bring them in and have them solidify our line here. Buffalo has been doing that. Buffalo has been doing that for years. Even when you go back to uh, Richie Incognito and some of the other guys that they brought in, that, that uh, you know, they weren't necessarily the, the, the top of the, you know, the, the top guys at that time. Um, but they were good enough and solid enough and, and, and played, you know, enough mistake-free ball um, that, you know, they ended up being good. And if we can do that, then we're successful. I, I think Brian Winters is going to be able to go to a situation with less pressure and, uh, you know, maybe even capitalize off of a situation that uh, based on the locker room is probably a better team situation right now. So, um, you know, I, I don't care personally that, that he's gone because he was, you know, kind of a scrub here at times. <laughs> well in spots but not enough um but yeah you know as far as, as far as i'm concerned he i thank him for being here and, and for you know the little spot that he actually provided but uh you know buffalo not really getting the guy as far as i'm concerned they're just getting a guy um and you know i wish him well but uh i really don't care brian when this is gone we, we we saved that money i kind of i'm really more interested and excited about seeing what the young guys can do especially cameron clark yeah, I completely agree with you. And, um, you know, uh, it, it's it's just crazy because, you know, we, t- we talked about that there was really a possibility that uh, Greg Van Rotten was going to end up getting that starting role. Um, Winters would probably end up being designated to more of a backup, uh, a backup role. So for me, I kind of look at it as, this is going to also open up the opportunity for, like you just mentioned, the Cameron Clark to be able to have an opportunity to get some very valuable reps and get on in there and possibly crack this lineup or crack this rotation in the offensive line. And one of the biggest things about the offensive line that I, I'm very encouraged, instead of just in past seasons where like I've tried to talk myself into thinking like, Okay, this could really be a good a good thing for the offensive line. This year is actually you, you have so many different offensive linemen who a don't commit a lot of penalties, which is great because penalties are drive killers. You and I both know that. B can play multiple positions along the offensive line. So if there's all t- all types of uh, how do you want to call it? Uh, if if there's different types of packages that you want to roll out in regards to running. Whether you want to do a split back set with both uh, LaMichael P. Ryan and Le'Veon Bell on the field at the same time. Same thing with Frank Gore. Okay, if you wanted if you wanted to go into a power running uh, a, a power running game. So there there are so many different things, so many different dynamic pieces where now you can shift guys around where you know uh Connor McGovern, okay, can can play center, but can also play guard. You could shift him to a you could shift him to a guard and pop another guy in. You could pop a Jonathan uh, Harrison in there if he gives you more of an advantage. Right back in, right, right back in, yeah. You know, I, I've, and, I've always liked Harrison. I, I I always thought Harrison kind of got a bum rap. I'll just be honest. I, I, I'm especially when yep, uh, I completely agree with when that. Brought, when, when when they they brought Khalil in last season and. Uh, you know, we, we, we saw what happened there, but I don't I, I just can't believe that uh, Khalil ever beat him out 
um, you know, on, on the field. So that, that to me, I didn't like it. So I, I'm glad that they brought in the guys that they did because to your point, you're right. Everybody can just slide and bump and do what it is that they need to do. Um, but we do want some continuity, and I, I kind of want them to be able to solidify at some point. And if the younger guys can can be the guys that step in and lock it down, that I think bodes well better. You know, that bodes uh, better for us long term than you know maybe just seeing one of these uh, like uh, like Brian Winters in particular, seeing him be the guy in the spot instead of seeing one of the young guys develop into that into that 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 spot. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And then you know, of course, we had uh, we had some other cuts. We talked about this a little bit earlier before, where Trenton Cannon was let go, Ben Braden was let go. I'm not really a fan of letting go of the Brent uh, of Ben Braden because I like having the depth on the offensive line. Now, look, he wasn't going to be a starter, okay? But you know what? He was a solid depth guy, and when he was called upon to 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 come in, you know, he he may not have been the best, but he was serviceable. He was serviceable enough that he that he was able to maintain a roster spot for the past couple of years. And obviously, Greg Williams likes him. So there could be a possibility that maybe they might end up bringing him back on the taxi squad for for you know a uh, uh, for m- maybe a, a more team friendly deal. So who knows? But you know, uh, Trenton Cannon. I want your opinion on there. Like the uh, the reason why I'm bringing him up mostly is because. Uh, some people feel like we lost a lot of speed now in the backfield, but as much as I liked Trenton Cannon, and, and I thought that he he could be a good player, I still have my doubts about it because he had fumbling issues, he had difficulty hanging on to the ball, and then not only that, but you could run so fast in, in, into a brick wall for so long, and the majority of the time he was used on special teams. Now, he's a great gunner, but initially they were trying to use him for kick returns and punt returns and so on and so forth. So how how is it that they can compensate for that? Or do you think that the moment that they signed Ashton Davis, that they drafted Ashton Davis, who can return punts, who can return kicks, this made Trenton Cannon expendable? So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. I actually, yeah, well, you know, I, I'll just go back to what it is I said when we had Robbie Sable. We, we were blessed to have Robbie Sable on because, uh, you know, Robbie, Robbie's insight into the players and, and, and uh, you know, I guess how how we see those people a little different because of because of this film study, but... Um, I'll just go back to what I said there, you know, had earned a spot at this point to be here. I think what it is that we're going to get as far as gunning and kick return, punt return, and all of that, we're going to get that from Bracken Burials. We're going to get that from some of the other guys that we brought in, like like the Dobson and some of the other guys, the young guys. Um, the, the running back situation, to me, I don't think we care if we have a burner or not because I think Adam Gates is probably going to want to ground and pound. I think he realizes that he's got a versatile athlete in Le'Veon Bell. Um, he's got a, a you know a, a, a three and, and a three yard and a, a cloud of dust uh, running back in Frank Gore, and I think he's got a little Michael Pirine who uh, is is a is is a little bit of both, you know, and and is probably going to uh, you know he's probably going to he's probably going to end up getting the lion's share of of those uh, you know those 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 junk time carries. I mean, I think that bodes well for us uh, as far as. Josh Bush, I think, isn't he still in the mix? Don't we still have another running back or two 
that's still floating around. Um, if if we do, that's fine. I think we'll be okay. Um, I also, you know, if if they do the expanded rosters, I'm thinking that we might end up, uh, you know, maybe catching a couple of guys that that shake loose later on. But as far as Trent Cannon's concerned, I don't care about Trent Cannon. I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's him personally. Whatever. Um, what what else do we do? I'm interested to see. All right. So I got a I got a very special surprise for our viewers tonight. We actually have a guest online who would like to come and join us, so I'm going to bring him in. So, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to introduce Mr. Brian Snow from the Snowman in the Morning podcast. And here I've even got a little a little music for his, for, for his intro as soon as it pops up here. <laughs> Because, you know, I'm, uh, I'm sure he's got a very, very colorful impression for me. So hang on. Here we go. But wait, we got to have we, we got to bring him in the right way. OK, there he is. See, we got those. We got those chimes going, ladies and gentlemen. He's cracking his knuckles right over there. Mr. Brian Snow. You, you, you seriously going to put the Super Bowl music on? Right. We haven't seen a Super Bowl since 1968. I mean, bro, what's wrong hey, with you? I don't want to hear any scenarios this year. Don't tell me Buffalo's beating New England. Don't yeah. tell me that the Jaguars are going to beat the Baltimore Ravens. And don't tell me the Jets are going to beat the Dolphins. Why would I think that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, on, Brian? Uh, man, it's good, to have, good to have you back, so, man. man really it's always good to see you, brother. Hey, good <laughs> to see y'all. Thanks for having me. When I when I saw you guys, and my wife and I were toasting one of these, uh-huh. I figured, why not? I, I figured, why not? Where's Let's mine? Go. What the hell? <laughs> Let's do it. Oh man, it's, right. it's so good to be with you guys tonight. Really? It is so we, good to be with you guys, Brian. Well, we got a lot to we we got a lot of a little small stuff kind of to kick around right now. And uh, so far, we've you know kind of discussed the cuts, uh, Enuma, Brian Winters, and uh, I think we just you know touched on the running back situation a little bit. But um, we're probably going to be moving into uh, you know this TJ discussions here in a minute. I want to get your your thoughts on those in particular because. It may be something that, uh, you know, we, we kind of were excited about and then to have it kind of yanked out from under us the way that we did. How do you think that impacts what it is that? Why are you surprised, bro? Why are you surprised, bro? Why are you surprised? It's the Jets. It's the freaking <laughs> Jets. It's the freaking, I don't want to hear that J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets crap. That's what, that, that's what gets on my nerves in the first place. Why are you surprised, bro? The Jets have always done this to us. They've done this since the day we held the Vince Lombardi trophy and Lombardi wasn't even in the ground yet. Does that tell you anything? And of course, and of course, Christopher Jackson should not be considered. I got something for you. you All right, ready. right here, you buddy. Ready. I love that. You were ready. I you love that. Great. Bringing the heat already. But see, you, you get rid of you get rid of Quincy and Numo, however the hell you pronounce his name. I mean, the guy couldn't even stay on the field. What's that tell you? 
playing yeah, but for that's the not Jets. Snowman. That's not that's not his fault. I'm sorry. And yeah, listen, yeah, we actually right. got a you're Buffalo right. fan from the Thomas Ta the the <laughs> Thomas Take podcast. His name is Ryan Thomas. Who's actually watching? So. Ryan, yeah. I, I I got you over there with your <laughs> with your little comments about Buffalo all the way and all of this. Don't worry. So Look. you're gonna get yours. But Look. listen, even even he can admit, and he's admitted to me off the air that he thought it was a little bit of a cheap shot that his defender gave Quincy and Unwell last year. And yeah. if yeah. CJ yeah. Mosley doesn't get hurt in the fourth quarter, there's no way the Bills come back and win that game because Josh Allen is trash. Well, the Bills came back and won that game. That's the point. So you know, I yeah, got, because I Robbie Anderson can't hold on to a pass. <laughs> well, what's that tell you about Jet receivers from two thousand? <laughs> oh maybe, man! Not... Wait a minute. Let me let me correct myself. Say maybe um, uh, Ron Anderson, and of course, I'm thinking about the Monday Night Miracle at the old Meadowlands. Come on, Wayne Corbett, Keyshawn Johnson. Keyshawn Johnson. Come on, Dietrich Tested Ward. Dietrich Ward Dietrich, is my boy. Dietrich Ward. Uh, Benny Testaverde, who threw for, let me get this right, 234 yards in the fourth quarter alone for mm -hmm. that game. And I was the yep, only Jumbo one. Jumbo Elliott. Yep, Jumbo Elliott caught the game-tying touchdown. I was the only one up on my floor watching that game. Everybody else was asleep. <laughs> Everybody else went to bed when it was 30-7. to 7. But about a new, a new one, I hate seeing him go, but at the same time, you had to make a decision about him. A decision had to be made, and it was so tough leaning one way and then leaning the other. You have to wonder which way the Jets are going to go with their with their offense. And in the immortal words of one Joe Beningo, you don't know which way Adam freaking Gaze is going to go <laughs> with the with, with 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 the Jets. But my question about the Jets goes like this. How are they going to finally put together a season when they can fully use Le'Veon Bell? Because they've misused him since they got him. Yeah, I mean, listen, they're, they're, I'm not going to make excuses for Adam Gase because Kevin and I have, have basically gone back and forth and, and giving a lot of different reasons on why, you know, uh, why Adam Gase completely misused Le'Veon Bell last year. The offensive line was a sieve. It mm -hmm. never really got addressed. Bringing Ryan Khalil out, uh, out of retirement was just a, a waste of $6 million. That's an so asinine there, move. There were, I mean, there, there, were a lot of, there were a lot of things that we could point out for last year mm -hmm. that, you know, we, we could definitely make the argument why Adam Gase should not be here. Yeah. Okay, because if you yeah. go and take a look at the New York Jets coaching staff, and again, Kevin and I have talked about this, you have three former offensive coordinators on that coaching staff. Yeah. Adam Gase, Jim Bob Cooter, mm -hmm. and Darrell Loggins. So between the three of them, there should be somewhat of a functional brain cell put together anywhere, okay, that should be able to come up with a creative game plan in order to use Le'Veon Bell properly. But he said somewhat of a functional brain cell. Right, I did. I did. It's, it's on record. You you're, show true. you're true with that. You, you're, you're true with that. They should have some kind of a functional brain cell. Unfortunately, in the case of Jim Bob Cooter, they snagged him from the Detroit Lions, if that doesn't tell you anything. 
And then Adam Gaze, who was booted yeah, by the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, but come on now. You can't really judge from the Detroit Lions because you know what? I mean, like. It's the Lions. Right. It's the Lions. <laughs> it's the Lions. Yeah. So, so. You, you, it, Kevin, you come on, do something can. up over here. I know you're, you're itching. I see you going back and forth over there. He's he's ready to he's ready to say something. So come on, fire away, dude. Kevin's too busy laughing. First and foremost, first and foremost, I, I said this a few weeks ago. Dow Loggins, why Dow Loggins again? You know, like who is Dow Loggins? I trust Jim Bob Cooter more than I trust either of those other two guys anyway, and he's probably the guy with the with the, with the least amount of, of say-so when it comes to what it is that they're doing in there. So, you know, I'll, I'll just be honest. Do I do I have faith in Adam Gates? Hell no. Do I want to give him the benefit of the doubt? Um, I think we have to. And at this point, you know, we'll, we'll see. If we have a season, you know, we're, we're doing all of this uh, with, uh, I guess, without even the, the, the solid possibility that we're going to make it through a full season right now. So mm -hmm. um, if, if it comes down to us only having a few games, uh, you know, it, it's going to be difficult to justify really any of the moves that have been made and any of the players actually being able to make meaningful impacts. Um, we would and should quite possibly able, be able to see some improvements in Sam, um, but that's if we can actually see some improvements in the offensive line. So, You should have seen the improvements. In, you, well, I will say, on one hand, you should have seen the improvements in Sam, but to go back to CJ's point, the offensive line was a sieve. It never gave him the proper amount of time for him to improve. So it's a double-edged It's a double -edged sword with Sam. I'd love to see some improvement in Sam Darnold. But again, yeah. it goes back. Every great quarterback has had a solid running game. Some right. were absolutely stellar. Okay, I go back. Go to back the to the eighties. The run, the yep. run always set I, up the pass, right? I I go back yeah. to the team I've covered for some thirty years. The 49ers. Ricky yeah. Waters, Roger wow. Craig, um, Tom Rathman, um, William Floyd. Yeah, they ran the football and look at the 49ers this past year what Bar did nine. they do well they ran the football they ran it down your throat yeah. and mm -hmm. unlike baltimore the people and i say that people are going to get mad at me when i say this about lamar jackson but i'm going to go ahead and say it unlike baltimore with the 49ers the people that were supposed to run the football ran the football yeah. period Garoppolo didn't take that many chances. Now, I know Lamar Jackson is a completely different animal and a completely different athlete, but I'm old school, okay? And with that number 12 jersey hanging in the background, I'd like my quarterback to sit back in the pocket, survey the scene, and make some good passes. Right. Right. Lamar, Lamar's going to change the game. And, and to the point about uh, us having a running game, the last time we were actually any good, um, it's because we had – one of the best offensive lines in the league and, you know, basically uh, uh, the probably arguably the best running game also. Uh, right. And we had a rookie quarterback who really wasn't that good either. So, I mean, we, 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 we propped up Sanchez quite a bit because of the ability to run because of the ability to kind of control the tempo. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we need to get back to. That, that is what we need to get back to. That again is, is why I don't, I don't care if Trenton Cannon's here, you know, just be honest, uh, because I think, um, between Le'Veon, between Frank Gore, between uh, P. Ryan, and between whoever else is going to end up being that guy um, that, that uh, may end up being a camp body or a practice squad guy who's going to come in, I think we're going to be set because I think they want to ground and pound. And that, again, is going to be dependent upon the offensive line. So the offensive well, line I'm is going to be a big deal regardless. 
I'm willing to make a bet that it's going to be P. Ryan more than Bell. Which, Thank you. If we have a season, I'm willing to bet it's going to be P. Ryan more than Bell. And the reason I'm thinking that way, they've already misused Bell for the last two years. And yeah. Bell couldn't stay on the field. You got Young Legs and P. Ryan. And then you got uh, Le'Veon Bell and Frank Gore. How are they going to use them? How are they going to the – the Jets are basically – copying what the 49ers did with three successful running backs. But the problem is, P. Ryan's going to get the bulk of the carries. You know, we hope so. Well, if that is the case, then Joe Douglas is doing his job. And that's something else for us to be uh, to be confident about, to be, to be excited about. All right, so really quick, I want to go into the comments. Uh, shout out to Simon Baccarella, who's uh, firing off. Uh, some, some stuff. Quincy is a super up, bright guy. I could see him in front of the TV or on the radio. Um, he did have a question for us. What didn't he do on using Bell correctly? I think we might have already addressed that, but if you guys want to address that question again, go for it. Because um, I, you know, I, I love Simon. He's I a great follower of the show. Yeah, I just have one point on that. And and, and I'll tell you this way. When you, when you look at the type of running back that Le'Veon Bell was prior to coming here, we know what worked well. Um, he needed to have protection. He needed to have time, and we didn't give him time. Not only did we not give him time, but then we put him in situations with Adam Gase where, you know, he's catching balls out of the backfield, and, and it's third and, you know, third and 14, third and 15. So, you know, no, we didn't use him correctly, but we also weren't able to establish anything solid on the offense, period. So just by extension, your running back is going to suffer when your offensive line is as bad as we were. Um, how did we use him incorrectly? Adam Gates didn't put him in position to, to be able to make plays, but then we didn't have talent either to be able to make even some of the most basic plays functional. We have to improve, period. Uh, yeah. Le'Veon, Le'Veon was just, by extension, hindered by what we were incapable of doing. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell was not used correctly and has not been used correctly. That's something I've mentioned on my show several hundred times over to anyone like you guys that actually watch the game and break down the game and mm -hmm. actually can see why Le'Veon why Le'Veon Bell is not used correctly number one and number two the fact that he wasn't used correctly because if you bring a back like Le'Veon Bell who needs protection and needs an offensive line to get you some yards and you put him in the situation that he's been in the last two years he's not going to succeed now you have a situation where you have young legs and P Ryan you have an old horse in Frank Gore who can still tote the rock, and yet it's going to be the young horse in P. Ryan that's going to get the bulk of the carries. And if the offensive line isn't up to par, then P. Ryan's going to suffer the same fate that Le'Veon Bell has suffered the past two years. That's yeah, scary absolutely. for me. That's scary for me. That, that, CJ, that wouldn't be scary. I mean, just, just think about this. The fan base um, jumping on a, on, on a rookie who's actually, you know – if, if again, if we get the same type of offensive line play and he struggles, you know, then then again, that does that looks bad on him. You know, the, the, mm -hmm. we're gonna have fans are talking about how, how P. Ryan right, it does. Him. But you know what? It also it, what it'll what it'll look worse. It'll look worse on Joe Douglas because he invested in this offensive line. We were told that we were going to get a completely revamped offensive line, and if right. this off this offensive line, I'm sorry, goes out and you know uh, uh, completely bottoms out or, or plays less than respectable out there then yeah of course there's going to be things that are going to be brought up of course the running backs are going to uh, are going to struggle so yeah. really quick want to give a shout out to finnegan summers uh again thank Finnegan. you for, for, for watching Finnegan. the uh 
the broadcast here tonight. We all want to see Bell, uh, Bell do well, and we hope he's used to his ability. Hopefully, behind a better old line, he will show his worth. Um, they also made a comment about Sam Darnold. They could be easily telling Sam not to run in the locker room in fear of getting hurt. Back. That probably circles back to our Lamar Jackson uh, conversation there briefly. Mm -hmm. Sam did have some good runs in college, which is the truth because you know what? I mean, Sam, uh, Sam's got wheels, and Sam can run. And I keep hearing all of this stuff about Josh Allen. Oh, well, Josh Allen, the reason why he's so dangerous is because, you know, he's a dual-threat quarterback. No, he's not. He's not a dual-threat no, quarterback not. because the guy can't hit, a, he can't, he can't hit the ocean, okay? He's Christian Hackenberg 2.0. The only thing he can do is run the ball, okay? But And you can't do that, and you can't do that alone. You right. Cannot, you cannot just be able to run the football. The reason why Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes are dual threats is because they can actually throw the football and be accurate with it. You mentioned Christian ha you mentioned Christian Hackenberg. I'm really going to piss some people off when I say this. Oh, I can't, you, 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 I can't you, even I'm believe that really, I mentioned that bomb on this show. Like that. Uh, Christian Hackenberg. Man, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to make me cringe? Are you trying, are you trying to make me cringe? You know Already. what? The the name Colin Kaepernick comes to mind because Kaepernick could run the football. And yeah, I'm going all the way there. Kaepernick deteriorated. I said this on my program, and I'm going to continue to say this on my program because a friend pointed it out to me. I went back and looked at some film and and did a deep dive into my in, into my research. Thank you. Good sound. <laughs> and I did a deep dive into into my research. Colin Kaepernick deteriorated. He deteriorated physically, and he deteriorated as a quarterback. All he could do was run. And when the rest of the NFL figured that out, which came after Super Bowl 47, Kaepernick was done for, and he's been done for. <laughs> uh, wow. There's only so much you can argue with that. Um, the right. Thing I'll say yeah, you really can't. As, as much as I have to admit i noticed some deterioration um kaepernick is still better than a lot of these bums that we got you know holding clipboards so you know i i, I kind of get i kind of get there's there's a there, there's some difficulties in that i think part of the reason why we might be telling sam do not to run is because of our david fail situation mm -hmm. oh god you really <laughs> trust <laughs> david fails out i don't trust david fails holding the clipboard but now this is the thing because you know flacco's not ready Flacco, Flacco's not going to be ready yet. So, who, so who else do we have? Flacco is done. See, and and that Flacco. even even that even that this it I don't I don't think the point of bringing in a backup quarterback is to say we need, we we need <laughs> to have a great quarterback. You know, we don't need to have a great quarterback behind Sam. We just need to have a quarterback that it can be functional if something uh, happens, like what it is that we had last season. I would say this: if we had right. Flacco back there last season instead of having fails and whoever uh, what what Luke Falk. If we would have Flacco back there, do we pull out at least one of those games? It's possible. Could we pull out two? Who knows? Does Flacco have anything in the tank left? We're not sure. No. But I would, I would still trust Flacco before I would trust David Fails. And that's just how I feel. I, I, don't, I don't believe in Fails. I don't think that we have a backup quarterback on this roster right now um, that, that makes anyone feel confident that if something happens to Sam, we'll be okay. And, and you have well, to take well, this in and you have to take this into consideration as well, considering how the Jets are right now, who would make the transition into Jets Nation to be a backup quarterback? And I'm speaking on the cult on, on the culture of the Jets given the last few years. Nothing against the team, nothing against the players. 
Listen, Trevor, Trevor Simeon was a bum. He got snapped in half on Monday Night Football. We all saw yep. it. Luke yep. Falk, the only reason why he made the active roster was because he actually played well against the threes and the fours. So mm -hmm. he did warrant a shot, and nobody really understood how bad the kid was. Now, sure. in defense of the kid, okay, when you're playing behind the threes and fours, you're playing behind a third string and a fourth string offensive line. So therefore, yeah. your pass rush is not going to be as evident. You can actually pick apart defenses because you have guys that are missing assignments left and right, right under your nose, and you don't even realize it. Right. Okay. Right. So when you when when you go and you put Luke Falk behind the 32nd ranked mm -hmm. offensive line in the NFL, the kid's going to get killed. Okay. Mm -hmm. So basically, that was Adam Gase's way of punting the the games that we punted at the at the beginning of the season. Why yeah, we lost yeah. so badly to the Patriots. Okay, mm -hmm. Josh Johnson was still out there. They could have went and made a deal to go get Matt Moore from Kansas City. They could have yeah. gotten somebody. You could have made a deal with Tennessee to go get Marcus Mariota. What yeah. was he doing? He's picking his ass on the bench. Okay, Ooh. all you need to all you need is somebody competent enough to say, "Hey, can you throw a bubble screen?" Okay, Le'Veon Bell's right there. Just throw him the ball. I, I, I mean, you know, Kevin's going. Kevin's doing this because he knows I'm right. But so, because we didn't, we didn't have guys that could do that. We didn't even, right. we didn't even have guys that could do that. That's the, that's the problem. We, if, yeah. if you can't do that, come on now. Shit, I, I, it, and, it, and this is hey, a quarterback I, league. There's the problem. Right. Here's the right. other thing. That's this is a quarterback league, and you have teams that can't even throw a bubble screen effectively. Done. Right. And exactly. Not only throw. Let me use two. Let me do. Let me use two cuss words here before I get out of here and finish my drink. <laughs> they can't throw a bubble screen effectively, and they couldn't throw a bubble screen correctly. How many times did they miss a bubble screen in the past? Yeah, quite a, quite a few. Facts. Quite a few. <laughs> so, Brian, before you decide to take off over there, please give out your social media information so fans of the Weapons Hot Broadcast can uh, follow you and interact with you, my friend. You Great can content. catch me every morning, 10 a.m. Eastern. If you follow my social media, official SIT Morn. That's official SIT Morn. You can catch me on TuneIn as well as iHeartRadio Live, 10 a.m. as well as Facebook Live um, and other Facebook Live and YouTube, 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. Got a hot show for you. What we're going to talk about tomorrow, the Major League Baseball is getting messier. Good riddance to Yolanda Cespedes. Can the NFL operate in a bubble? LeBron ain't LeBron, and Notre Dame in the ACC? How is that going to work? Those are the topics we're going to weave through the show tomorrow, 10 a.m. tomorrow, Eastern Time. Check us out, Facebook Live, YouTube, as well as the SDM Sports Network and Full Press Conference. Yes, sir. Snowman, you're the best. We appreciate you jumping on on short notice, man. I Thank love you, you guys. Sir. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you for having me. Thank you for you having me. All right, so Brian's show is going to be fire in the morning just to be you <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Brian show going to be fire in the morning. Y'all might want to check Yeah, I'm definitely out. listening to that tomorrow at work. Yeah, so I'm anyhow, ladies and gentlemen, that was Brian Snow. Be sure to check him out on Snowman in the morning. And right now, you are listening to Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network and Sports War Radio. CJ, the painkiller, Simone here. Mr. Kevin Jackson over there. And we are now going into the second part of our show where we are talking about... C.J. Mosley opting, uh, opting out for the year. A lot of people seem to think that that's going to have a dramatic effect on the New York Jets defense. Kevin, I'm very curious to, to uh, get your thoughts on C.J. Mosley opting out and what exactly does this mean for Gangreen's uh, top 10 defense, hopefully, this season. Yeah. Well, 
Um, we still have enough talent to be a very good defense. C.J. Mosley opting out is, is, a, is a difficult blow for us, especially after losing Jamal Adams. Now, um, it, it, it's a little bit of a, of a you know, I, I, I didn't want to have these great expectations coming in anyway. So the fact that he opted out, yeah, it was a blow. But uh, the fact of the matter is he didn't play last season. And we actually played very well with some of the guys that, uh, you know, I, I alluded to earlier who stepped up and, and were able to, to kind of make some noise. And I think Greg Williams also is a, is an innovative enough mind uh, to be able to take the guys that he has and to make it work. Um, I don't think this is going to be much different. He, he already has a, a, you know, some game plans in mind for what it is that he can do without C.J. Mosley. Um, and if he just continues on that path, I think Greg Williams solidifies himself as um, our head coaching candidate for the 2021 season. Uh, if, if, you know, we kind of get to that, I don't want to get too far ahead, but um, losing CJ Mosley, it, it just exposed some of the things that uh, I was talking about after the Jamal Adams trade. Like I said, I, I, I hated the trades. I still do. Um, the compensation made it so that it was, it was palatable, but we lose so much when we lose a player like Jamal Adams. And now, you know, compound that with losing, um, who was, I guess, arguably our second best defensive player. So now both of our top two defensive players are no longer here or not going to be uh, available for the season. And, uh, you know, we have still a lot of questions on the outside and with the pass rush. So um, I don't want to beat this dead horse, man. I don't like it. Uh, but C.J. Mosley, as a grown man, made a business decision. He's going to do what's the, what's in the best interest for him and his family. And, uh, you know, he decided to opt out. And I cannot be mad at that. Uh, I don't like it for the team, but, I mean, I, re I respect it and I understand that as, as a man. So, you know, do I, I tuck in my emotions and I say, you know, next man up. But the, we're, we're, we're going to have some questions to answer. I think we can. I'm, I'm interested to see how. But uh, there, there are definitely going to be some questions based on uh, how all of that is going to play out going forward. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that the New York Jets defense is definitely going to suffer a little bit, but I still think that there are other players and other young guns on this team which are now going to get the opportunity to uh, to step up and really be able to fill that role. I mean, look, if you think about it, we had C.J. We had CJ Mosley on the team last year for three quarters, essentially. Okay, so we really did not get the benefit. And, of course... Obviously, even without C.J. Mosley, we were still able to field a, um, a, a an NFL seventh-ranked overall yeah. defense. Second, okay, second, so second versus the run, what, what uh, twelve versus the pass or something like that. Yeah, we weren't too bad last season there. So I mean, uh, just want to shout out Finnegan Summers. He sent in a question for us on a scale of one to ten. How big of a hit? Um, do you think that this will be for the Jets' defense? I'm going to say, believe it or not, I'm going to say about a two. And I know that it sounds it, it sounds kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe disrespectful if you're looking for it as far as C.J. Bosley is concerned, but we essentially, like I just got finished saying, we essentially only had him for three quarters last year. Exactly. So um, we really did not have him for a full season. I mean, even though he did come to play for the Monday night game, uh, against the New England Patriots, he was relatively ineffective. Um, <laughs> Simon Baccarella is saying a seven, so I don't know if I would go that high. I mean, I know that a lot of people feel like that yeah. losing Jamal Adams kind of uh, kind of made 
the Jets' defense as a whole uh, uh, taking a step back. And you know what? I mean, to, to a degree, I can agree with that. But in a way, I don't agree with that because Greg Williams still has other pieces here in this secondary which he can use to kind of fill the gaps in where Jamal Adams was able to be deployed. And we still have Marcus May here. Ashton Davis is going to cut his teeth on live bullets. Bryce Hall still has an opportunity to make this squad. So uh, I'm not ruling out the fact that maybe the Jets won't have the seventh overall defense. But if we had the the 10th or the 11th, I'm not going to cry. But that's for sure. I mean, one one of the things that's definitely that the that the Jets are definitely good at and still very very stout up front, you know. So to, as far as stopping the run, which is uh, the Jets' biggest strength, yeah. you know. Listen, now, this if, is, if you're I'm, telling I'm me like a Nathan Shepard opts out, or if you're telling me like a Foley Fatukasi opts out, or you're telling me Steve McClendon opts out, I think I'd be a little bit more worried. So I'm sorry, Kevin. Go ahead. No, that's fine. Um, I'm going to fall somewhere in the middle on this um, just because I, I do think that it it does change the dynamic. You kind of can't lose, you know, one of your best players and not have it affect what you, what you do, even if you handle it well. You know, um, I think we have a, the opportunity to handle it well, even if it does affect us and it's going to. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go with Simon at a seven, but I'm going to go maybe a little higher than uh, – the Finnegan and I, or, or maybe where you're at, excuse me, and, I, and I'll say maybe a three or a four, just because I think that it is going to create some interesting dynamics with the remainder of the players um, in trying to compensate for what it is that we lost, especially because we lost CJ and uh, Jamal Adams. But I don't think it's going to be this huge deal where people are running around like chickens with their head cut off. I still think that we ball out. I still think Greg Williams is going to, you know, going to, you know, keep everybody calm and let them know, you know, hey, you got you got a guy that knows what he's doing, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I completely agree with that point of view as well, too, because, I mean, if you think about it, what? We've already been picked to go 3-13, and 2-14, and 1-15 oh, yeah. in, in, in some circles. The, you know, the Jets are the, 32, the 32nd ranked team in the NFL. You know, we suck, blah, blah, blah. You guys know what the, what, what the narrative is. But and you know what? We're going to change until we win. Right. And uh, to me, I just think that now, you know, you take all of that material about how the Jets are being disrespected, you put it on the bulletin board, you you make the players aware of it, and they go out there and tell them, now do something about it. So go out there, go bust your ass, go go give 110% and go do something about it. Oh, so We hope. We can right. hope right now. So now, just r- really quick before we transition over, um, does the Jets signing of Patrick Onawasor now become that much more important than what it is that we had before? No. Um, I, I think uh, as part of what we had already done, I think it was a good move. It was a solid move. Um, but I don't necessarily think that was a game changer. I think that, again, he adds another depth piece Um to what was kind of already a, a, a pretty decent linebacking core. Now, I'm not saying we got a lot of superstars, but we got a lot of guys that, that can make plays, um, as, <laughs> as, evidenced, as evidenced by seeing them make plays last season when CJ was out. So, you know, Chris, I, I don't think he, he uh, 
he doesn't maybe necessarily change the calculus as much as uh, I'm getting Avery back, uh, which I think is going to be huge. Um, but, yes. Uh, you know what? I, I, I think, again, this just kind of goes uh, more to what it is that we see from Joe Douglas and being smart about, you know, adding players and adding depth and, 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 and making sure that that second and third tier is strong. Um, we'll, we'll work out the starters as we come, but we have guys right now that can make plays, that can do the job. Um, but, you know, the expectation isn't for us to be Super Bowl contenders, it's just for us to grow and into a contending team. And, right. you know, we have, we have enough talent to, to look like it's capable of, that we're capable of doing that. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, one of the things that I, I still think this New York Jets defense is going to be potent with or without Jamal Adams, with or without CJ Mosley. Granted, okay, yes, truth be told, is the Jets defense much, much better with CJ Mosley and Jamal Adams in the lineup? Without question. But you know what? That's that's not going to be the case this upcoming season. So it's it's next man up, and Greg Williams is going to have to be able to make chicken salad out of chicken shit, unfortunately. So, I mean, it, 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 it is what it is. But I, I, if there's any man who I feel confident that would still be able to do it, it would be Greg Williams because he's proven that he can put players – uh, in, in positions to be successful, where they can thrive, where they can have an impact. So until until I'm proven wrong, you know, I, I'm going to put my money on Greg Williams and his ability to put the pieces of the puzzle together. I agree. Now, you know, the the, the guy that we got to watch out for is Adam Gase, whether or not he can put the pieces of the offense together, because that's really what this team's biggest problem is. It's not the defense; it's the offense. You know, so we're, we're gonna we're gonna talk until we're blue in the face about this, and and every time we talk about the defense, it it solidifies in me that I'm not not really as worried about the defense as I am about what we're going to look like on the offensive line. I, w- I want to shout I want to uh, send out a really uh, huge shout out to my man Robbie Jersey because he and I uh, you know we we go back quite some ways and we were just talking recently, and Robbie always made the point. Uh, very clearly that he believes just like, you know, like most smart football people do that, you know, it starts in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line. That's where it begins. And as many times as I've heard Robbie say that, and I'll tell you, Robbie and I, we've worked together, you know, Facebook and the whole thing. As many times as I've heard him say that it continuously presses upon me that we haven't seen them do anything really about it until now. So that's why you know I'm a little I'm a little uh, scared about what it is that we're we're going to see because if we do get any improvements on the offensive line, we have an opportunity to kick some ass. Period. Our defensive line is our defensive line is decent. Our offensive line, our, excuse me, our defensive line is better than decent. Excuse me. Um, our linebackers are decent to almost being better than decent. If we were to get CJ Mosley back, I think that puts us over the top, but even getting Avery back puts us right back in the, in the very mm-hmm. decent, you know, category there. And, uh, you know, our, our DBs, you know, even though we lost some, we still have some back there that are going to be able to be functional. Our offensive line is the biggest problem because it affects Big so time. many other things. It affects so many other things. So I don't even care about our special teams right now. And I'm not saying I don't care because I don't think that we're going to be any good. I'm not worried. I think that's, that has been, you know, even with our defense being as good as it has been, our special teams unit has probably been the most consistent, consistently solid, um, you know, as, as far as how we've been set up. So special teams and defense, I think we're good. If the offensive line shows up, 
the entire narrative around this team changes, man. It changes all of this. You know, are we thirty second ranked team? Do we suck? You know, how bad are we going to be? If if we can actually get some decent offensive line play, I'm telling you right now, we are going to be a decent team, and it's not going to take three, four, or five years. We might actually be really looking at what is your Douglas going to add in the draft because 2021, 2022 is going to be a season where the Jets are going to be almost, you know, uh, if if we don't make the playoffs. It's going to be because we melted down, right? So, but here's the thing, you know, if if this team does end up making a playoff run this year, and this team does overachieve, get themselves into the playoff and uh, playoffs, and say we should, we we show we're just setting ourselves up that much better for next year, where I think that 2021 will probably be the year where we could finally break through where I definitely think that the division is not out of the question anymore, where it's before, it's just find a way to get into the playoffs. I mean, obviously, with the improved playoff format, that does improve the New York Jets' chances, but you still you still have to play who's on your schedule. You still have to be successful on, uh, on who's on your schedule. And most of all, like I hear a lot of people, you know, again, pissing and moaning about this, this year's upcoming schedule and who we have to face. If you want to be considered a competitive football team and you want to be considered a playoff football team, these are teams that you have to find ways to beat. You have to find ways to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. You have to find ways to beat the Seattle Seahawks. You have to find ways to beat the San Francisco 49ers. You have to be able to take care of bottom feeders like the Denver Broncos, the Miami Dolphins. Okay, you have to be able to handle, you know, teams in your own division like the Buffalo Bills, like the New England Patriots. So, I mean, uh, we've we've gone on and on and on about these comparisons and so on and where the Jets sit. And right now, the Jets are probably the biggest question mark in the division, probably even more so of a question mark than the Miami Dolphins are. Because we know what Adam Gase is. We don't know what Sam Darnold is with a fully functional offensive line. Okay? We know what the Jets' defense is. Yeah. Okay? And we also know that we can give teams like Buffalo fits. We also know that teams like Miami, who are in full rebuild mode, we should be able to beat, but we don't. Okay? Right. Okay. You know, when you, when you go and you take a look at the Cincinnati Bengals, the Cincinnati Bengals, winless team last year, the Jets end up falling on their face. Okay? So, again... The Miami Dolphins, we talked about that game, okay? By all accounts, the Jets had no business splitting with them last year if you really if if you really put two and two together. Vincent Smith got got the benefit of the doubt on an iffy pass interference call. Yeah. Okay? So we, we, it shouldn't have been that close period. To begin anyway. with. But but see that 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 again is the difficulty that we have as, you know, I guess fans of this particular team. And and let me let me. I, I want to just kind of jump on my soapbox. If if you can just do it, brother. Me, give me give me like thirty seconds here, okay? Because all of these conversations that we have about this team, New York Jets, this New York Jets, that we don't have players. The players don't do well here. Um, every time we leave, somebody leaves and they go someplace else. You know, they ball out. No one ever seems to to. Come, you know, to, to use in their calculus about how they see this team. They don't ever 
seem to calculate the fact that this is the New York Jets, a perennially bad team. We've been bad on the field. We've been bad in the front office. We've been bad in our ownership. We've been bad for years now. So mm-hmm. all, of this conversa- all, all of this conversation about this player wasn't that good or that player wasn't that good, he was on the Jets. Mm-hmm. Okay? Robbie right, right, didn't have a 1,000-yard season because we didn't have a quarterback. We didn't have offensive line. We didn't have any run game. 900-something yards in, in, in 13 games with, 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 a, with a journeyman guy who's, who's played on more teams um, than, 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 you know, come on. I, 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 and, 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 you know, I love Uncle Josh. Uncle Josh was a beast, man, but Uncle Josh wasn't that good of a beast. You know what I'm saying? So I'm glad he was here. I'm glad he did what he did because he kept us afloat. He made us respectable in certain yep. games. He kept, a, he kept us really close. But Josh McCown is the guy that you would expect to have behind center that's going to produce 1,000-yard receivers you know, over the course of time. And the fact that that happened, and then we ended up again looking at Robbie and saying Robbie sucked, and then we're doing it again with Jamal Adams saying Jamal sucked because the team was in a bad situation. Every single time we do this, it makes it it makes it makes difficult for me because I'm listening to people that I respect say stupid shit about players that we know were good just because they're emotional about the fact that the player is no longer here. The guys are always, they're, they're always the, the best ones here. They may not be the best in the league. They were the best here. They performed right. well here for us. So every, when mm-hmm. they leave, you can't just say the guy sucked and, 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 and good riddance. You can't do that. Um, Jamal Adams is a Hall of Fame level talent. If he continues to play the way that he has, I don't think there's any question about that. The fact that, he's, that, that, that he was immature and did stupid shit in, in the media, that cannot be discounted. What cannot be discounted is two all-pro seasons in three in the league. That also can be discounted. You might not like him. You can't say so. You might not like Robbie. You can't say so. You can say he didn't do everything that you wanted. Nobody else did. He did more than what it is that we were expecting or we would have gotten from anyone else. And he was an undrafted free agent. The guy balled out. He's gone. Yeah, boom. He's gone. Whatever. You can't say he wasn't good. Same thing with Jamal. He's gone. Good. He's gone. You can't say he wasn't good. Recognize this is the Jets. I want to reel everybody in just a little bit because the expectations that we have as a team should never get so high that we're saying that this is going to be, you know, uh, uh, this is going to be the, the, the turning point in, in, in if this organization is good or not. Unfortunately, we're not going to see that. We're going to see slow incremental steps. And I think that's what mm-hmm. we're seeing with Joe Douglas right now. We're going to see slow, small steps. And then when we get to a point where we've made enough headway to be able to run then maybe one or two draft picks is going to be the difference between if we're a perennial playoff team or if we're going to, you know, if we're going to uh, struggle around the fringes. We've got at least another season before we actually can can come to that understanding. Right now, we need to kind of, you know, just ease up a little bit and let it play out. Yeah, it's the truth. It really is. I'm done. I'm already talking too much. But that's basically I'm just saying, all these these past few days, I've been seeing a lot of people talking about how players who have balled out here for us haven't really been good. Seriously? Jamal Adams? Those those players rose above whatever was a bad situation here, and they were able to shine in an otherwise darkened alley, which is no other way, no other way that I can put it. And look, look, it's, you know, I wanted Jamal to stay here just as much as anybody else. I wanted the Jets to re-side Robbie. But you know what? When you go to social media and you act like a complete 
tool to the fan base, you're going to get the emotional responses that we're, that we're getting. Like, Jamal can't keep his mouth shut. Then, as soon as Robbie signed his contract with Carolina, then he was taking subtle shots at the Jets organization and taking subtle shots at the uh, I, I think fans. that's a little overblown, but I, I feel you. I think that's a little overblown, but I feel you. Um, you know, it's like, look, why can't you just say, thank you to the fans. I'm moving on to the next chapter of my life. Yeah. Peace. Goodbye. Good luck. And, and, yeah. and that's it. Jamal couldn't do that because of the stupid shit he said before that. I get that. Well, um, Robbie, uh, Robbie, uh, again, that's a little different. This, this is this is my point to that. I get it because I didn't like that. I don't like that either. You know, I don't. I'm not the the type of person that that feels like social media is the way that you handle that business. Um, but I also because mm-hmm. it never ends. Well, some other things. No, look, I listen to uh, and and I'm, you'll you'll probably feel me on this. I listen to uh, a turn on the Jets pod today. The uh, you know the the, the Badlands series that the mm-hmm. Connor do on Bean and they had Manish on. And I, I said this earlier because Manisha always has a tendency of being right when we're talking about the worst possible thing to discuss about our team, right? When it's good stuff, you know, you, you, you kind of can't really count on Manisha to always be accurate about that stuff. But when it's bad stuff, it always seems like the guy is on point, and it bothers me to no end because I think he has a point. I think he's right about how some of this uh, this situation, you know, with Jamal Adams kind of fell through. And and, and it's a little scary. I, I hope Joe Douglas learns from this interaction in particular about handle about how to handle situations going forward. And I hope that a situation like this never escalates to this point. But I also think that Joe Douglas has a lot to do with why it escalated to the point that it did. And that, to me, is, is something that I think cannot be um, discounted. It cannot be overlooked as of right now. The team has some serious flaws within it. And until, mm-hmm. we see this, until, until we see those flaws fixed, we can expect there's going to be at least some nonsense and some knucklehead, uh, you know, things that happen every season. Um, what I'm, 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 I'm excited though. I mean, am, am I wrong for kind of having the, 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 the dual mindedness right now? I'm, I'm afraid of, of, of a lot of what's going on, but I'm still excited because I think that we are seeing some of the, the those first little incremental steps. I mean, talk me down off the wall, CJ. I mean, where am I at right now? Dude, I, I feel exactly the same way you are. And the thing is, is that, see, I refuse to, it, it, I refuse to go back to the curmudgeonistic thinking that you and I always talk. We talk about this on air and off air. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. same old Jets, all that garbage, blah, blah, blah. No, this is not the same old Jets anymore. It's not Rich Kotite out there running Neil O'Donnell out there. Okay, it's not Bruce Coslett running Boomer Esiason out there. Okay, so we need to kind of get ourselves out of that well, it always happens to the Jets, and bad things always happen to the Jets, and so on, which is completely understandable because yeah. you've been Jets fans as long as we have, and bad there are a lot of people happen. out there that are listening that have been there longer. Okay, right? you 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 suffer from extreme post traumatic stress disorder, and I'm sorry, that's just one of the plights of being a New York Jets fan. It is what it is. Okay, but the one thing that I have to put faith in, that I have to put confidence in is that Christo, uh, Christopher Johnson made the right hire in getting Joe Douglas in here. Joe Douglas brings three Super Bowl rings, okay? That's three more than anybody else in the Jets organization right now. So he built to, he built a 
championship pedigree front office. Guys that have gone to other places, guys that he's worked with, and they have been successful. They have won Super Bowls, okay? Or they have been a part of a winning Super Bowl program. So we've got a great scouting department. So we have to let this play out the same way that we gave Mike McCagnin all the rope to hang himself, the same way we gave John Idzik, the same way we gave Terry Bradway, the same way we gave Mike Tannenbaum. We have to be patient and let this process play out. But for the first time as a Jets fan, I feel optimistic with Joe Douglas at the helm. And even though this is his first general manager's gig, he's cut his teeth under some of the most prolific GMs out there, especially Ozzie Newsome. Ozzie Newsome is probably one of the most respected GMs out there, if not the most respected GM out there. So if Douglas didn't absorb anything under uh, under Ozzie Newsome, then I don't think that the Philadelphia Eagles would have taken a chance on him. No. So he's worked I, I, I with the best. He know yeah, he he know he knows how to build it. And like you said, it's going to be a process. It's going to be slow, incremental process. The now it's like, look, here, you know, bro. we want it. We want it today. We want it yesterday. Can't you know, but right. Can't that's not that's that's not the not the way to build the championship because no. we're not just looking to build a competitive roster for this season. And then for the next 10 seasons after it, we're going to go, you know, consistent 4-12, and 5-11. and 11. Yeah. Joe Douglas wants the New York Jets to be in the playoffs, to be in Super Bowl consideration every single year. We're not just talking about this year. We're talking about next year. We're talking about the year after. We're talking about the year after that. And we're talking about the year after that. It's not just where the team is right now. It's where the team is going to be in five years from now. And how deep of, how deep of playoff runs are we going to make during that process? It's about how short-sighted are we talking about the John Nitzik, uh not not Nitzik, excuse me, Mike McCagnin with the ten and six season, right? When you, when you have a roster that is as bad as ours was during that time, and you have a little bit of success, but nothing that's concrete, and you go all in on something that really is not built on a solid foundation. Mm-hmm. I, we're expecting to see Joe Douglas, and I was, I'm happy to see that Joe Douglas is more interested in building the foundation than actually building this nice, pretty house that, uh, you know, as soon as the wind blows, it's going to fall down. Right, exactly. Um, I'm excited. That's why I'm excited. Even even, even as I'm sitting here saying, man, it's, we're, we're probably going to be a train wreck this season. I'm of that, that dual mind right now. We're, we're going to have a, a rough season, but uh, I think we'll be better for it. And I do think that our roster is stronger overall than what it was we just haven't played anything, you know, ha- having names on paper doesn't mean anything. Production and, and chemistry, all of those things, they come with playing until we get to that point. Mm, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle for us. Exactly. So really quick, uh, Jadavian Clowney, uh, has been mentioned again in circles within the New York Jets, obviously, uh, uh, Jets new, new edition, uh, Bradley McDougald, who is good friends with Jadavion Clowney, basically told him on an Instagram uh, post, tell the Jets to come and get me. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I don't want to just be one of the guys that just goes along with the pack on this. Um, I think Jadavion Clowney has, you know, talent. Um, it's from somebody, like I said, I live in Georgia, so I, I and literally right on the border. I watched him all, you know, uh, that whole – uh, senior season before he got drafted, and I'm looking at the kid thinking, 
my Lord, this is a complete and total alien. He, you know, he's going to tear it up on Sundays. And then uh, now I'm sitting here thinking like, I hope the Jets don't bring him in. That's kind of where I'm at with that. Do I, I like the idea of bringing somebody in that's going to be, a, you know, effective as a pass rusher. I just don't know if it's Jadavion Clowney. Um, I, I like, you know, the, the, the idea of bringing in a, a Golton or Everson Griffin or something, or, or, or one of those guys. I would maybe even enjoy that more. I also don't want to money the waters for a competition because we just drafted you know, the kid Zuniga, and I would like to see him get as many reps as possible because I think developing the draft picks is obviously much more important than spending 12 or 15 million to bring in a guy who's only going to be here uh, for a couple of seasons who may not actually even play well for that time that he's here. Okay. So Jadavion Clowney, no. Jabbar Zuniga, yes. Uh, if we are going to bring in somebody else, you know, let's just try to do something where we're not, you know, giving away all of this money to a guy. Um, unfortunately, like what it is that we've seen the past few seasons with, uh, you know, with, with Jermaine Johnson, or even to a certain extent to Quincy. I mean, Quincy got 20 million and, and, and played one game. So, you know, we want to be very careful about the kind of uh, the kind of people that we do bring in. Clowney doesn't have a huge injury history, but it, it would just be something where he'd come in and get hurt and that'd be it. Um, I'm not a fan of the Jadavian Clowney move. I'll just, you know, if, if that answers the question. No. Okay. Um, I'm kind of along the same vein. I mean, the idea of going out and getting a Jadavion Clowney would, in fact, kind of offset uh, the Jets losing C.J. Mosley and Jamal Adams. And I think to some extent that it probably would appease the fan base that Joe Douglas is adding another potent weapon uh, to the defense. However, I do agree with you that I think that you could probably get Everson Griffin for much cheaper. And I really would like to see Jabari Zuniga get those critical snaps so that way he can cut his teeth. Because I really think that if Jabari Zuniga is given the opportunity, I think that he will thrive in a Greg Williams defense. I agree. I'm not just saying it because... You know, I'm a, uh, because because he's my boy or whatever. I mean, go go and take a look at the tape of how this kid plays. This kid is a monster, all right. And he was he he racked up numbers last year, and he wasn't even healthy. Imagine this kid at 100 percent strength, being able to gain full, full mastery of a Greg Williams defense. Exactly. He will tear things up. And you know what? All he needs is an opportunity. Also, having uh, um. Our guy on the other side who's been leading who's been leading our team in sacks uh, since he's been here, uh, Jordan Jenkins. So, you know, listen with with an improved Quentin Williams, with an uh, you know with, with a, a revitalized uh, you know uh, uh, McFadden and 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 maybe even Henry Anderson with Foley Farcasi and everybody else coming in, we're going to get some interior pressure. There's going to be some right. interior pressure that's going to come this season. Um, if that opens up for Jenkins and Zuniga on the outside to, you know, to, you know, both have eight, nine sacks this season, that's a win-win for us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Jadavion Clowney, I don't care. Look, I, I, I just feel like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a flip right now. Like I'm a Debbie Downer. I don't care about none of this stuff because it just seems like all of it, you know, is, 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 is secondary to building you know, a, a perennial winner, you know what I'm saying? Every single right. season. And I don't think we do that by paying Jadavion Clowney, you know, whatever, you know, double digit no, millions. Of no, you're right. Because 
the Jets are not one player away or two players away. They're multiple players away. And I think right now they need to steady the course and still, you know, just finish the rebuild. Yeah. If if there's something that I could put on a t-shirt, it's finish the rebuild, yeah. which means stop going after these, you know, uh, fix these, uh, these, you know, these quick fixes that are only going to be here for a year and two years. And they cost us 10, 15 million. And then you're right back in the same hole that you started from. And rebuilding every Fixed. two years. Right. Let's just rebuild it. Rebuild yeah. it the right way. Or or you know, let's let's not even rebuild. Let's just continue to construct on what's already here. You know, yeah, rebuild, you know, that that denotes we're we're gonna get rid of a lot of people and we're gonna start all over again. I think we have a pretty decent core where if we're just strategic and smart about the pieces that we add, that we're in good shape. Um, we've got a good nucleus. We've got Sam. You know, we've got a running back. We've we've got our our uh, supposedly we've got our left tackle. We'll see what uh, what Makai looks like. And and I'm so thankful that I really haven't had cause to say his name to be honest, because that's what you want. You don't want your offensive lineman to be famous, um, unless it's for you know paying. Right. So if Makai Beckton is doing IHOP commercials next season, I'm all good with that. That's exactly what we want. Um, right. The one thing that I don't want to hear Makai Beckton's name is holding. Right. Number 77, 10-yard penalty, replay third down after the Jets go and get a conversion. That's one of the things we don't want to we don't want to hear. I'm so sick of hearing penalties being called against offensive line. Let me tell you something. I got I got I got so fed up. Willie Cologne. Willie Cologne was the master of the untimely false start. Don't get me started. I could do a whole show on just how bad the just on bad offensive linemen. I think you and I should talk about that off the air. I think we should do a show on just re- really just put- yeah, some of the Jets' putrid offensive lines. I, I think we can definitely have a blast with that. Well, we, we've, we've got enough content because we have horrible offensive linemen every single year. So <laughs> now now we'll see what, what we look like coming into this season. Hopefully this will be the last time we have to talk about this. If, if, this, is, if this season coming in is the last time we talk about us criminally under you know uh addressing the offensive line mm-hmm. then we made enough strides to, to really think that we can turn the corner here soon because that was the biggest deal and it's something that it was one of the most glaring needs that hadn't hadn't been touched at all so i'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that all it's, right so it is that time in the show ladies and gentlemen where, <laughs> my, where my co-host here yeah, takes the helm of, of of the starship weapons hot right into the sun, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. It's time for the Emmy Award nominated segment of Weapons Hot called "In the Spotlight." In the spotlight with Kevin Jackson. Kevin, Kevin Jackson. All right, Spotty. Who do we got in the spotlight for us tonight? All right, I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I struggled a little bit with this one. Uh, just because uh, there's really not much, you know, going on. I, I was kind of thinking I wanted to focus, but I wanted to, to uh, maybe just discuss uh, our, our new recent trade uh, addition, Mr. McDougal. Um, we've had a lot of questions tonight about uh, C.J. Mosley, about, you know, Jamal Adams and the impact that those guys are going to have by leaving. 
Mendoza um, is a solid player, man. And, and and I mean, I know this this might be repetitive because I know it, it may have been hashed out already, but I think that bringing in a guy um, who has that type of pedigree, who's played at that level um, on a team that has routinely played at that level, I think that's going to be a really big boost for uh, the maturity of this defense, which is something that I, I think, if, if nothing else, that's one of the things that maybe has you know, the most question marks, are these guys mature enough? Are they old enough to, uh, you know, are strong enough in, 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 in how they, they prepare and get ready for them to be good week in and week out, especially with some of the changes and things of that nature. I think that uh, he's going to add a, a lot to, to the mix in that regard, but I still think it draws some questions. Um, and, and I'll just say this in the spotlight is Mr. McDougal because how does his uh, coming on affect Aston Davis? How does it affect uh, Marcus May? How does it affect Brian Poole? Um, do we still uh, have as many questions as far as the cornerbacks are concerned when we have a guy like that who is so versatile and can play um, literally at all three levels of the defense because he, he is able to play at the line of scrimmage. He's also able uh, to play in coverage. And uh, because of his versatility in defense uh, and defensive uh, experience, um, he's he's probably been able to do it in almost every defense that, that Greg Williams is going to want to try to throw at him. So um, uh, Mr. McDougal is going to be in the spotlight this evening because he is an X factor. He is a wild card. Um, and with already so many things that are toss-ups and being up in the air as of right now, it is something I think that we can look at and hope that he'll solidify some things. But it also is something to be excited about because if he does bring in what it is that we expect, um, we're going to see some new stuff next season on defense. And I think that makes us very dangerous. When you see new stuff and people don't have film on you, you can do things that really kind of create havoc for teams that have a certain expectation about what they're going to get from you. And our first season with what is going to be kind of a makeshift secondary um, with better patches, um, I think it could actually be a really good thing for us. So, um, so yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, the spotlight is, 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 is so difficult because really the only the only light that's being shown is on the COVID-19. But as far as what the team is being shown, I mean, what do you think? You think this guy, uh, I mean, do you think he passes this, the, 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 the sniff test or uh, I mean, what, what do you think about Mr. McDougal? I think there's a distinct possibility that he's going to come in and he's going to contribute because he was very excited to come here. You know, and he's got his former teammate in George Fant uh, uh, here as well who's going to help him be able to get acclimated to to uh, life in the Big Apple. And, you know, he's already said that he's not trying to fill Jamal Adams' shoes, but he definitely wants to make his mark uh, in New York. And he, he wants to be successful here, and he really wants to help this team win. So, he's, so far, he's saying all the right things. And, you know, the, the proof is going to be in the pudding when the rubber hits the road, when he gets out there and he plays. Um, once Greg Williams, you know, can get him in the scheme fit and they're able to practice and they start hitting for real and they start going out there and, and, and learning their defensive setups and their patterns and he starts learning Greg Williams' defense, then I think we're really going to see um, the value that we got for this pick. That being said, um, like I said earlier, you know, now the secondary doesn't have as many question marks as we did going into this offseason. Now, of course, you know, obviously losing Jamal Adams is still a huge blow, but you kind of make up for it a little bit 
by being able to utilize other players on this secondary in similar ways that you deployed Jamal Adams. Will they be able to replicate his his production? Who knows? That's going to be up to them. But I think that we could mitigate the loss of Jamal Adams by getting much better collective play from the secondary as a whole. So there is definitely, you know, some... There is a light at the end of the tunnel, Jets fans. There really is. You know, it's not all doom and gloom. It's not all same old Jets. It's not let me go to MetLife with a bag on my head. All right? It's it, it's none of that. It's everything right now on paper looks fluid, and it doesn't look as good as it did the day before. But you know what? There is still pieces in place that could still come out of nowhere and be tr- and still give us good, solid production and make this team competitive. So until I'm proven wrong, that that's what I'm hanging on to. That's I'm not looking at the world through green and white goggles. I don't have my pom poms out going. Ooh, the Jets are going sixteen and zero. Woo! Yeah, no, we're not. We're not doing none of that. Okay, but I definitely think that this team will do better than seven and nine than we did last year, and that I don't think that six and two at the end of the season was a fluke. Regardless of, oh, well, you played the Redskins, and the Redskins were horrible, and the Giants, the Giants were so bad, they couldn't get out of their own way, and oh my God, you know, you guys lost against Cincinnati and Miami. Uh, I mean, look, enough. We weren't supposed to win those games. Right, we weren't we weren't supposed to win those games. We were we also weren't supposed to beat Dallas and we beat them. We weren't supposed to beat Oakland and we beat them. I keep calling them Oakland even though they're the Las Vegas Raiders. Okay, so you know we we beat teams that we we beat teams last year that we had no business beating. Okay, but you know why? Because we played better than they did. Period. And at, at the bottom line is is that if the Jets can go and take a look at those two games where they really stood up and that really started to propel the momentum and they can build off of those wins. Yeah. Okay, this is what's going to propel us forward. The it, Jets are not going to win by 40 every game. Just yeah. win by one. A win yeah, is still yeah. a win no matter how you get it. Whether you win by 40, whether you win by one, a win is still a win. Go out there, get your wins. That's the main thing. Two games stand out for me, CJ. The, uh, the Miami game and uh, the Cincinnati game where – you know, we were talking about winless teams and, and, and how badly we performed in both of those um, contests. If we cannot do that, in eight, nine, and seven, I don't think that that's so far-fetched for us. Um, as, long right. as, we, as, long as, as long as we don't, you know, completely fall off the map like we did in those games. Um, if that's the case, then I think we're in good shape. Right. Well, it, it, it's all going to come down to, Jax, the battle in the trenches. Okay, if the offensive line is ranked middle of the road, like 16 out of 32 or 17 out of 32, which last year we were the we were the worst offensive line in the NFL. If we're if we're middle of the pack, that could easily translate into two to three more wins for this football team. And I I was thinking about that earlier. And and, uh, just to kind of go back, because I know Simon had asked the question about um, the misuse of Le'Veon Bell. And that right. was a phenomenal question. You know, obviously, Simon's been, you know, he's been around, so he knows. But that Cincinnati game, I think, was really probably the, one of the best possible examples of how Le'Veon was not used properly. Especially when you've got a Bengals defense that can't stop the run, 
and Le'Veon should Le'Veon Bell should have had 150 yards that game. Right. Period. But 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 we went away from it, and that is what I is that what we're talking about about him not being able to be used correctly. Adam Gase having questionable game plans when even some of the fans who might not be as well versed in football as as some of us are, Simon included, um, they might not know what they're talking about. But you you can see that. You can see, oh, yeah, the Bengals can't stop the run, but we're not running the ball. That's what we're talking about. That's what we need to see. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for tonight's episode of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast. I'd like to thank everyone who tuned in tonight to watch us on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network and will be consuming us very much, very much later on Sports War Radio. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at CNC Jets Factor. You can follow me at JetsFan0523. My partner in crime on the other side of the glass at Spotty Blackman. Shoot the show an email, WeaponsHotPodcast at gmail.com. You could also find us on Facebook. Find us on YouTube. Any place where you get your fix for the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 you will be able to find us. All right? So be sure to go to Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Like and subscribe. Also, shout out to StatementGames.com, the official sponsor of Weapons Hot and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And really quick, shout out to my boy, Steve, Dr. Det Sachi. All right, over (laughs) at Brayton, Florida. We love you, bro. Yes, Steve. So that's my boy from the Bronx there. Right there, so... Ladies right, and gentlemen, so, once again, another episode of Weapon Hot's in the book. We got to thank you, as always. Interact with us, man. Come get with us on Twitter. Come get with us on Facebook. I know you see us. I know we're out there. If you got questions, if you got uh, maybe you think you have an answer to a question that we might have asked. Right. And most of us, all, man. if you want to jump right. on the show and talk with us, be sure, Please. To, uh, be sure to send us a message on our Facebook page. You could hit yeah. us up on Twitter. We love taking fan questions. We love having fans on the show. Uh, matter of fact, we're going to try in the next couple weeks to have another call-in show like we had last week. So it should be, should be very interesting. Just keep an eye on social media for that. So for Mr. Kevin Jackson, this is CJ the Painkiller D. Simone signing off. We will see you guys when we see you guys. Peace, love, go Jets. And here's a little Herman for out the door. Play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports. You play to win. And I don't care if you don't have any wins. You go play to win. When you start telling me it doesn't matter, then retire. Get out. Gotta love Herm. Gotta love Herm. Gotta love Herm. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.